0: Welcome back to season two of Gold Ribbon Conversations, the podcast created to support families fighting childhood cancer in Ireland. Six children, adolescents and young adults are diagnosed with cancer every week in Ireland. And the gold ribbon, which illuminates precious light, love, courage and compassion, is a symbol of strength and solidarity for each and every one. My name is Sinead O'Moore. And it is my privilege to bring you this podcast on behalf of Childhood Cancer Ireland, a charity founded by and led by parents of children with cancer and survivors who know that one of the greatest sources of strength for this fight is conversation. Throughout this podcast, I talk to families impacted by childhood cancer, as well as the experts who care for our children's health, education and happiness. Yes, we talk about the fear and the pain, but we also talk about the hope and the friendship and the community that exists here because you are not alone. We are delighted to bring you this episode with Dr Noelle Cullinan in collaboration with Children's Health Ireland at Crumlin. Those that dedicate their life's work towards fighting childhood cancer are very special people indeed. As an oncologist, Dr Noelle talks to us about her why, her passion and her unending pursuit to learn more about how we can stop cancer. Here, we talk about the parent's need to understand why, her focus on genetic testing, and the answer it can present for treatment decisions. What a privilege it is to do this work, and how she and her team celebrate the good days and carry the tough days in their hearts.
1: Dr. Noel, thank you so much for joining us on this season of Gold Urban Conversations. Having somebody from the medical side of things is such an important part of this show because it's a massive new relationship for any new family, you know, entering into this cancer journey and um, forming these trusted relationships, forming, you know, handing over their child to your care is, is, is a massive leap for, for parents to make. Um, but one that I'm hearing time and time again from parents who've gone through the process with the dedicated team in Crumlin is one that um, is just out of this world in terms of your passion and your compassion. Um, and you don't stop.
2: I guess we'll stop at nothing to improve outcomes for children with cancer. You know... Yeah. Us as oncologists, I guess we would say no child should die with cancer. And so I think that's really, really important. That's our goal collectively.
1: What an incredible career path, you know, that did you wake up one day and say, like, what I want to do with my life is to make sure that children don't die of cancer.
2: That's an excellent question. Um, I guess I knew from very early on, you know, even as a child or a teenager, that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I... I guess I'm originally from a very small parish called Killamona outside Ennis in County Clare. And when I told my parents I wanted to be a doctor and moved to Dublin, uh, you know, they were (laughs) surprised to say the least, Um, but were so supportive. Um, And I guess I started my medical career in Dublin. I knew very quickly that I wanted to be a paediatrician. And I guess it wasn't really until later on in training that I realised my heart is going to settle in paediatric oncology. Um, During my rotation on St. John's ward, which of course, many of the parents and uh, people listening will know very well. um, I developed really close relationships with the patients and families that I met. I started to think about them outside of work, um, you know, thinking about their diagnosis, the treatments that we were going to suggest, Um, And I guess I just fell in love, in a way, with the specialty that is oncology. Um, It's a very... I'm a very privileged, uh, you know, it's a very privileged position to be in, uh, to be a paediatric oncologist. I think that, you know, the trust, as you mentioned, that parents place in us to look after their, you know, littlest and youngest humans is something that I take so seriously. Uh, We want the absolute best for every child that we meet and we won't give up until we cure every child with cancer. Uh, And I think it's really important that parents understand that, you know, we get it. We we see the terror when you arrive and you have to meet an oncologist. We walk you through, you know, those first difficulties. The aim is that, you know, we get you through treatment and out the other side uh, and you know we have a huge team that are dedicated to look after uh, your littlest person and and you all all the way along and I think that's really important that parents know.
1: As a parent even if my child falls I'm consumed with what could I have done differently or why did it happen you know if they get sick You know, did I make sure to wash their hands? Did I do something that I, uh, did I miss something? Or, you know, you're always as a parent, just either trying to prevent harm or feeling guilty that something has occurred. When you're meeting parents in this situation with something as serious as childhood cancer, do you feel like one of the biggest questions is always why?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I guess that question has nagged me from the very moment I started to come to St. John's Ward or the oncology clinic. You know, every single family that we meet asks why. And, you know, it's there are lots of whys. You know, why, why my child? Why our family? You know, is there a risk to other people in our family? You know, there isn't a family out there that hasn't been touched by cancer in some way. Um, and so, you know, it's in the foremost of their mind when their child is diagnosed with cancer, they start linking things and saying, oh, you know, there's a strong history of cancer in my family. What should I do? You know, I'm really worried. Is it something that we've done? Is it something that we have passed on to our child? And so, you know, I guess that has become part of my um I guess part of my aim as a pediatric oncologist is to to keep focusing on that why question and try to understand things better so that we can give better explanations to parents. For the vast majority of patients, we can't uh, provide an explanation. Uh, you know, we are beginning to understand cancer as a genetic disease, and maybe we'll touch on that in a little while, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that parents have done, it's it's not something that you know they fell and they bumped their head and then two months later they have a tumor. You know that's not what happens. Um, but we're starting to understand cancer a little bit better from a biology perspective and a disease perspective, and we're able to reassure parents that this isn't something that you know they have caused. This is something you know terrible that has happened within a cell and in, in their child's body. And you know a lot of the time we are able to start to piece the jigsaw puzzle together um, and reassure parents Um, and I guess we'll we'll touch on that as we chat through today.
0: A diagnosis of childhood cancer is overwhelming. As a charity founded by parents and survivors who have walked this road, Childhood Cancer Ireland is here to help others to navigate this journey. From information and advice on dealing with diagnosis to getting treatment and providing links to cancer support groups and peer-to-peer support. You can access essential information on our website, childhoodcancer.ie. There is so much to
1: discover about it and to learn about it. And I, I assume given your absolute passion for it and for, you know, for obviously treating those that are in it, but a passion for understanding it better so that you can intervene quicker, better, more efficiently, you know, limit the amount of treatment. And and of course, knowledge is power.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, I think, you know, in your previous podcast, you know, we've Dr. Curry, who's my colleague who you chatted with last year, had wanted everybody to know how, you know outcomes for children with cancer have improved dramatically over the course of the last couple of decades and you know for children who are diagnosed with cancer in 2022 you know we have really lovely uh, knowledge now to help tell parents what you know their chances are of beating their cancer and the vast majority of children survive but for us as paediatric oncologists cure isn't enough anymore it's cure with as little cost to that person as possible um you know the treatments that we need to give as part of uh cancer care you know be that surgery or chemotherapy or radiation therapy all have impacts on a child later on and toxicities so you know it's not good enough anymore the children uh, survive cancer but we want them to survive and live well and live long and so we are now working even more to try to understand you know the biology of disease how and why cancers develop the pathways that are involved when you know a cell turns from a healthy cell into a malignant cell and how maybe we can target those pathways with newer and better treatments or maybe detect cancers earlier Uh, when they're more treatable or need less treatment with less toxicity and so I guess that why question has provoked so much uh, research internationally um, and I guess it keeps us awake at night trying to understand how we can uh, you know give the best treatments with as little toxicity as possible um, to the littlest people amongst us Um, and so I guess that drives my passion for um, what I do
1: I suppose at a more aware awareness level, the I'm thinking of you know women of a certain age knowing that breast cancer, the the genetic of breast cancer being passed through you know a family and and having the opportunity to get tested to see do you carry that gene is that the kind of thing that you're talking about in terms of the development that is occurring within the childhood cancer arena.
2: Yeah, so I suppose, um, you know, I guess I, I should say that, you know, I have been back in Ireland since 2019. I was away for a couple of years, um, specialising in paediatric oncology. And uh, when I came back, the Irish Cancer Society have funded uh, my post here in CHI Crumlin in collaboration with uh, Crumlin, of course. Um, and the focus really is, is developing you know, the cancer genetics sphere. Um, And I guess, you know, for your listeners out there, you know, genetics is a big word and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. And so I think of it in two different ways. So, you know, number one is that we all have you know, an individual genetic code. So uh, genetic makeup that, you know, is inherited to some degree, you know, from your biological father and your biological mother, but some of your genetic code is is unique to yourself. Um, And so, you know, when we think about cancer genetics, there, you know, there are a percentage of people who have a genetic change in their DNA that puts them at higher risk of getting a cancer. And, you know, in the childhood cancer arena, I guess that is about 10%. So, you know, what I mean by that is 10% of children will have a predisposition to getting cancer that is dictated by their genes. Um, but that means on the flip side that 90% of the time it is nothing to do with their genes or how, um, you know, how they're made. Um and so that's really important for people to understand. And for us as oncologists, we need to try and pick out those 10 percent uh, and figure out, you know, which children have a genetic risk factor um, and how we look after them better uh, as they grow up and as they become adults and what risks they need to know about. In the other hand, you know, cancer genetics can also mean the genetics of the specific tumor or leukemia or cancer. Um, and so Each cancer has its own genetic code or genetic makeup. And we are starting to understand why a liver cell or a kidney cell, for example, develops a change in a cell, a mistake that happens that can't be corrected and gets transmitted to the daughter cells. And and then those cells misbehave. They grow in an uncontrolled way. And when cells do that, they become a cancer or a tumor. And so we are starting to understand also what changes happen along the way a healthy cell and a malignant cell. And if we can figure out the pathways and we can figure out what turns the pathways on, we are hoping that, you know, we will be able to turn the pathways off and, you know, get control of disease or cure disease um, by developing newer and better treatments. We're a little bit away from that, but there's lots of work going on in the background internationally. And, you know, um, I would encourage parents and families to ask us what we think. Um, because we really have, uh, you know, a nose for it. We, we can figure out which children we need to worry about. Um, and we now are understanding much more about each individual disease type and cancer type. Um, and, you know, in some cases, and for some children who are attending here at the moment, we have particular medications that we can target uh, those particular pathways uh, when, once we know that they're there.
1: We featured Nikki Bradley um, in both seasons so I, she I caught up with her again in this season. she' was just she's just after having you know an incredibly developed surgery, but it's as a result of the fact that her body was put under such stress and strain 20 years ago. And you know, the type of cancer she had whilst the the medical knowledge at the time, was, everything was done in order to, to, to make sure that her life was there to lead. But her body, you know, the toll on her body, you know, is now massively affecting her. We've had some powerful conversations with her around this topic. Is, is what you're talking about here, is the hope here that actually the treatment can have less of an impact on those little bodies as they grow?
2: Absolutely. And so I guess that's the focus on reducing toxicity for uh, cancer survivors. And so, you know, even now we have made progress compared to the last 10 years. So we know, for example, some of the chemotherapy medicines can be toxic or cause damage to the heart muscle. And now, if you are receiving that type of treatment here, Um, You know, under the care of the hematology oncology team, there are medicines that we can uh, sometimes use to protect the heart muscle from the, you know, negative effects of the chemotherapy medicine. Um, You know, other examples would be that, you know, our surgical techniques are improving all the time so that, you know, surgery is less morbid and causes less uh, side effects for a patient we have better radiation techniques um, so that we can, you know, give the treatment to the cells that are misbehaving, the cancer cells, and leave the healthy cells alone. Um, And we know from, you know, children who have been treated 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, who are now grown up and in the adult world, you know, they have many chronic healthcare conditions that, you know, are related to the treatments that they had when they were you know, small patients with uh, pediatric oncologists uh, or pediatric hematologists for that matter. And so, yes, you know, if we can be smarter about chemotherapy treatment, um, the hope is that we can uh, impact not just our ability to cure children, but our ability to have them survive and survive healthy and survive for a long time with as little toxicity as a result of treatment as possible. So it's really exciting. We have such a long way to go and we still have such a huge amount to to learn, but we're certainly making progress in the fight against cancer for sure.
1: It must be so exciting to be part of certain discoveries, certain pieces of research, you know, to be around now where there is so much possibility.
2: Absolutely. You know, I could talk for ages about this, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, the, opportunities for families and uh, children and families to participate in research is is amazing now you know we have clinical trials open for lots of children who have different types of tumours that are all designed to try to understand things better to make um, the future generations of people who will pass through the doors of St John's Ward better Um, and so it is a really exciting time to be working in in paediatric oncology but you know we it takes it takes time. Uh, you know, these uh, new treatments or, you know, less toxic uh, therapies take a huge amount of time to develop. Um, and generally, they develop in the adult world before they come to us in the paediatric world for, our, you know, obvious reasons. Um, and, you know, I would encourage lots, you know, anybody who has to come through the door of St. John's to ask us about what's available. And, you know, it's. A small community, you know, the pediatric oncology community worldwide is small, we might be a small country in Ireland, we might have a relatively small, uh, you know, staff in terms of uh, the number of consultants who are here, but we have ears on the ground, you know, internationally, we have colleagues in, uh, you know, all around the world who are we're in touch with frequently. The clinical trials, uh, you know, that are available are trials that are available internationally. And so, you know, the newest treatments uh, that are coming on board, you know, we will be able to get here. Um, It just takes time.
1: And of course, as a parent who is beginning this journey, whilst it is hopeful to know all of this is going on for them in the moment, they're meeting you. They are concerned only with what is happening right now and what can be done <laughs> today to help to help their child how, how do you i suppose as a as a woman as a human as a doctor how do you get your head together when you're about to to meet these families to begin this relationship to to empathize but also to feel like you know i've got this i I'm going to use my knowledge and I'm going to to do all you can.
2: I mean, I think that, you know, every child that I meet who comes through the doors, um, you know, we think long and hard about, you know, uh you of course will have one primary person who will take charge of of your child's care. Um, but there you know, is a group of us. There's a team of us We all talk together about each other's patients, you know, in a in a team setting uh, so that, you know, you're not just getting one opinion. You're actually getting a collective opinion um, from all the oncologists here or hematologists here. You know, you know, this is a national center. And so you are getting a national opinion. Um, And although one person takes uh, control of each uh, child's treatment path, you know, we go into those first meetings knowing a huge amount about, you know, where the cancer is, what we need to do about it, the, you know, best available therapies at the moment to look after um, that cancer whatever that may be and you know for the vast majority of people that is a chemotherapy approach Um, in the oncology setting there's often surgery and radiation also to be considered uh, sometimes uh, high dose chemotherapy and transplant and we know uh, that treatment very well you know we travel it every day with patients and parents Um, we you know this is what we do and you know I guess we don't have to think too hard about some of those decisions but having said that every child is individual everyone's cancer is individual to that particular child and there are you know no two cancers are the same in terms of their location or how it's behaving biologically or how it's responding to treatment and so we do think long and hard often late into the night about every single child we meet Um, and you know we all want we all want the same thing. You know, we want uh, we want to have a child who survives with as little toxicity as possible. Um, and, you know, we talk through the treatments with parents and, you know, inevitably they will ask us, you know, is there anything else in America or is there anything else in Europe that we should know about? And, you know, we know what's available, you know, outside of Ireland as well. And we will give the best care that we can um, to every child that we meet. Um and, you know, some of the the newer treatments are, you know, coming on board uh, to some degree. Um, some are a little bit away from us yet, but some are only available if you don't respond to first line therapy. So, you know, um, first line therapy is the, the first course of treatment that we give with curative intent to a child. If we are starting to see problems or, you know, risk. Re- perhaps the response isn't as good as we expected, then, you know, sometimes we have to change the path. And sometimes there are treatments that are available, you know, after first-line therapy that are not available to us in first-line therapy. So it really depends on the scenario. But, you know, we, I guess I would like parents to know that, you know, we know everything that's happening in the world of oncology. Um, And I think parents can really get, you know overwhelmed but we we will talk to parents you know about every possibility and you know we will give their child the best care that we um you know that we can and that's regardless of the situation uh regardless of you know where the family lives you know or I I mean I I guess I've had lots of parents ask me you know You know, if I have private health insurance, you know, I'll pay for anything that, you know, my child needs, you know, that parents don't need to worry about that because, you know, we we don't mind. We don't. It doesn't even bother me. I don't even look at it. Uh, I prefer not to know um, because that means nothing to us. Every child with cancer will get the best treatment regardless of the situation. Um, and I think that that worries parents, that they will have to pay for chemotherapy or pay for treatments or pay for surgery. They don't have to worry about that. Um, they will get the best care regardless.
1: On this season, we spoke to Orla Donlan and, and a few other um, families throughout the way. And they speak of how there's such a sense of relief when the team swoop in. You know, there's there's so much fear around getting the diagnosis, but there's also an element of comfort when the diagnosis is at least given that there is now a team of experts who can take some of this burden off the parents who have just been sitting in concern and worry and can put a plan together, can can be a collective, can be a team, can share this information, can make some of the decisions. And for the parent to kind of go back to being that nurturer and that rock and that sense of support for the child, knowing that the cancer is in someone else's hands, that, and, and listening to those stories, I can understand. I can understand how there is a relief when that team kind of say, we've got you now.
2: For sure. Um, You know, I think that's something I say to families is we've got this. You know, um, I'm not a fan of cliches and it's that, you know, people say that it takes a village to raise a child. You know, it it is a huge multidisciplinary team effort to look after the children and families that I meet um, every day. Um, And I guess every single person who walks onto the oncology ward or the clinic or, or the day unit has a part to play in that. Um, And I guess for families, you know, oftentimes, you know, they have had a worry for some time about their child. They've had a niggling, you know, a concern, you know, a concern deep within them that something's not right. And, you know, we listen to that very hard um, and very closely, I guess. It is, you know, I see that relief, you know, in a time of devastation in a way, you know, to to go into a room uh, of a parent, you know, with a sick child who, you know, it hasn't been clear what has been going on. And, you know, when we tell a family that their child has cancer it, you know, it knocks everyone for six. You know, we pull the rug from underneath them. It's mind numbing. You know, gut-wrenching distress but for some families it's relief because we now know what we're dealing with and we know how to look after it and you know we are happy for them to I guess entrust their little one to our care because we know what we're doing um, and you know I've certainly had that experience where parents are just incredibly relieved or give me a hug after I've told them that their child has a life-threatening illness and it humbles me every time because we always have such a journey and such a road to travel still, but that first, you know, embrace of a family where they just, you know, I, I guess they see that, you know, we've got this. We know what to do. Um, and that's hugely important for families to to have those close relationships with us. Um, and we you know, I guess that's what keeps us going. What inspires us to come to work every day um, is because we have such close relationships with the families that we meet. And maybe it's something of pediatrics, you know, it's just obviously nobody ever wants to have a sick child. And, you know, to have a child with a life-threatening malignancy is terrifying. Um, But, you know, the team swoop in, as you say, Um, and we will do our utmost to make sure that we look after everything that we can along the way Um, you know not just the medical stuff but the psychosocial the emotional you know the financial you know all of those other things that you know worry parents at the start you know uh, how can I afford to come to Dublin you know for treatment you know I don't drive where can I stay you know all of those things that are that that parents lie awake at night worrying about so yes you know when the team swoop in I guess we can take a lot of that stress off their shoulders
1: and I'm sure the team gets so emotionally invested that there are parts of your job that are incredibly heartbreaking too You, you can't give that level of support without giving your heart to it as well
2: oh for sure you know I think um Sarah will have said this on her podcast last year. And, you know, I say it as well because it's true. You know, we say it because it's true. We celebrate the victories along the way uh, as, you know, whether it's going to school for your first day, whether it's a good scan, whether it's, you know, finished a phase of treatment, you know, we celebrate those days with the families, you know, like it was our own, um, you know, niece, nephew or daughter, son, and, you know, we share the sad days and we share the the, the bad scans and, and, you know, the difficult days as well. And, you know, I, not just me, you know, I'm just, I'm one spoke in the wheel. um You know, everybody from, you know, the secretarial staff, nursing, laboratory, you know, and I can keep naming, but I'll get in trouble because I'll leave someone out. even down to the healthcare systems, the cleaners, you know, everybody feels the victories and feels the losses as well um and you know it's really really humbling but it gives us the energy and the impetus to continue to do what we do
1: thank you for doing what you do (laughs) thank you for deciding at some point as you said along the way that this was going to be your job the job that you wanted to do was was to help those children that have a diagnosis of cancer and more and so into the future try and limit the impact of that cancer treatment on their bodies by understanding the genetics it's um it's something that i know that i don't think i'd have the, the brain capacity to do and i am always just in awe of those that can um it is no doubt endless hours of education and study and commitment and determination. And I'm just, as I said, in awe that there are people like you who will do this and do it so professionally for their lives.
2: Uh, Thanks. Uh, You know, I can't take a compliment, but uh, (laughs) you know, this is what gets me up in the morning. You know, I live and breathe pediatric oncology and uh you know as do my colleagues you know we we never stop uh thinking about the patients that we meet and you know we all want uh, the same thing as parents and families out there um you know i think september is always a a time where we highlight childhood cancer and the awareness of childhood cancer and you know for those people who have come through the doors of st johns and have left St John's um you know after a course of treatment no matter how the journey has been you know those families stay with us um you know for forever you know they we we don't forget a single one you know whether they have gone on to transition to adult services or or whether the journey has been uh, too hard along the way um you know everybody that we meet you know takes a little piece of us i guess um and, you know, I'm privileged to do the job that I do and and we won't stop fighting this illness.
1: I'm sure you absolutely won't. Thank you for taking the time to share your part, as you said, uh, the part that you play in in fighting childhood cancer. Um, no doubt your words today will be of massive support and encouragement to any family who is part of this journey. Um, and it was really interesting to learn about how much goes on behind the scenes in terms of what we can learn and how we can improve the treatment for children of the future. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do and for your time today.
2: You're so welcome. Thank you so much again for uh, chatting with me and it's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope that all the parents out there um, take something away from all the conversations you're having, which are so, so important.
0: Thank you for listening to this Gold Ribbon Conversation. There are more Gold Ribbon stories written by those fighting childhood cancer on our website, childhoodcancer.ie, and you'll find a link in our show notes. If you can, we would love you to share this podcast across social media using hashtag Gold Ribbon Conversations as it can help more families to discover this show. This podcast was produced by The Brand Story for Childhood Cancer Ireland, hosted by Sinead O'Moore and sound production, by Alan Breslin.